You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Jones over the top. It is caught and taken in for a Giants touchdown by Rhett Ellison. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. Greetings from Arlington, Texas, site of the World Series. And the best entertainment in town is listening to local sports radio, hearing the meltdowns of how bad the Cowboys is. It's very enjoyable if you're a giant fan being here. Well, it's funny because Mike McCarthy was the hot commodity coach on the market this year. And I cautioned, I guess... Giants fans that I really did not like him. I think that Aaron Rodgers won a lot despite Mike McCarthy. And um, it seems that there are now, as of this week, leaks coming from the Cowboy locker room about how bad the coaching specifically is in Dallas. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give, like I've been doing all season, I'm going to give that coaching staff a little bit of a pass because it is is – as much as we are defending Joe Judge for not having an offseason to implement, you know, his systems and his culture and all that, we're doing the exact same thing, you know, with Dallas. They, they do not have a chance. And also, they, they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, in the back of court, exactly. And also, we're not talking about a bunch of schmucks on this coaching staff. I mean, Mike Nolan is a good coach. Uh, they have no talent. Um, I was listening to uh, the fan out here, the big sports radio station, and after the Mike McCarthy presser, they were like, this might have the least amount of talent on defense that this franchise has ever had, including their expansion year of 1960. So, you know, coaching can only go so far. And, you know, when you start hearing these, you know, unnamed sources saying that, you know, all the the players are complaining that no one's been organized, that that snowballs. And you start losing and you start looking bad, you know, grumbling happens, especially when, you have a change in coaching. You know, somebody that might have been a starter or might have been, you know, in the penthouse with one coach is now might be in the outhouse with a new coach. So we don't know the full story, but again, a combination of not having talent, not having an offseason to prepare, losing your franchise quarterback. I mean, if we can argue all day if uh, Daniel Jones will be our quarterback. I mean, Dak Prescott is their franchise quarterback. And he's gone. Yeah. Exactly. And they played some good teams, too. So they actually didn't play awful considering the situation that they're in. I mean, from the outside look looking at, in, I mean, I don't have a, I don't have a microscope on every little thing, but having watched the game, I, you know, I don't think they played that bad. Kyler Murray had a disastrous stat line. I mean, if he's on your fantasy team, you probably lost. He was awful. Mm-hmm. He had like 130 yards, and 80 of it was on one play. Uh, he was, you know, so. It, it, you know, turnovers are killing them. I mean, it's with kind of a losers, 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 lose thing where, you know, the running back fumbles two times and it's turnovers, you know, bad picks from Andy Dalton, things like that. And all of a sudden you lose and the game snowball out of control. So to me, this kind of brings up a bigger point for giant fans for this week. And before we get into our you know preview of the game, live in the now. I mean, I know we've been conditioned for the last three years to, you know, we were in a rebuilding project and we have to, you know, new coaches, new GMs, new players, the whole thing. But 
this week, and your this will be in your inboxes on Thursday before the, the Eagle game. For right now, we win this game Thursday for a moment. We'll be tied for the lead, the lead in the NFC East. And if you can't put everything aside of what the state of this franchise is and all the little things and just enjoy it for what it is right now, I don't know what to tell you guys. I mean, this is weeks, what are we, week six, week seven? This is week seven. This is week seven. We are getting into late October, and all we always say is, oh, our dream is to have meaningful games in October, meaningful games in November. Well, guess what? This is a very... (laughs) This is it's sad, and it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's a meaningful game against a division rival you hate in prime time, and it doesn't. It even doesn't matter in the future. Okay, anybody who wins the NFC East is going to be one of the worst teams in playoff history. You'd probably get slaughtered by whatever the one seed's going to be. But who cares? Doesn't matter. I mean, you. The best thing that this coaching staff can have is they're building a culture, and they're building a culture to try to win. And it's hard to do that when you are 2-11 and 11, there's nothing really to play for other than jobs. Now you're playing for something. You're playing for a, a ring, you know, a, a, a goal. And as fans, don't go into the attitude of like, well, it doesn't matter. These teams suck anyway. We shouldn't be in this position. That's irrelevant right now. It's well, about winning a game. If you like that, why even be a fan? Why even yeah. watch? I mean, that's okay. If, if, you, if you only want to watch meaningful games, that's fine. But, you know, just understand that that's that's you missing out not not anybody else yeah if that's you just unsubscribe to this podcast and don't listen anymore i don't want i don't want you listening to this i mean this is about you know understanding for what things are worth and putting things in perspective and this week is something to be excited for if you're a giant fan because i guarantee you nobody in this offseason Nobody on week one thought in week seven we'd be playing a game for potentially a share of first place in the NFC East. I guarantee it. And it's irrelevant what everybody else is doing. It's irrelevant what we're doing. We are in this spot. So enjoy it. Kind of like the situation I'm in with the, uh, with the World Series right now where, you know, my team's in the World Series. They're probably going to lose. Dodgers are probably going to win this thing in five or six. But I can't worry about, well, they got to rebuild the lineup for next year or what about free agency or building a new stadium or – you know, the, the price of tea in China, it doesn't matter. Live in the now. I mean, this is, you know, being in a World Series is a time that happens very few times in your lifetime if you're a fan. So I'm living in the now for this. And Giant fans should be doing the same thing for this week. And their game this week is Thursday at 8.20 in Lincoln Financial, where there is going to be an attendance of something like 7,000, I don't know, something like that. Um, so go at your own risk. Um but there's there's a whole lot of shakeup because of the short week, so there's a lot of stuff to cover here. Namely, that uh, Sterling Shepard was act, um, not activated, but he began practicing, which puts a 21-day window for the Giants to add him to the active roster. They can theoretically add him to the roster by 4 p.m. tomorrow and have him play Thursday night. That's all going to be according to how he is at practice, I think. I think they're just holding off on what he looks like and how he goes from day to day practices how he responds the next day to see if they want to do that because remember also if he does come into this game and play and he comes out healthy but just a little sore the next day they have like a week and a half for him to recover until Sunday 
So until until week eight starts for the Giants. So they have plenty of time with him. I think that there is a solid chance that Sterling Shepard plays uh, on Thursday, in part because C.J. Board is ruled out with that brutal concussion that he suffered uh, earlier this week. Um, Darius Slayton is, is ruled to be in, I believe, at this time. With his foot injury, he will play. Uh, so Sterling Shepard coming in, that's a huge boost to this offense that has – a group of wide receivers that don't really create too much separation just in their route running. Uh, you know, we can complain about Jason Garrett's system and the routes that they run, but ultimately, even if Jason Garrett ran a great system, if receivers can't just get open, then it doesn't matter. Um, and Sterling Shepard might be the best at it, to be honest. Yeah, at the end of the day, coaches know more than we do, and they know what, you know, the talent they have and what's available to them, what they can do. So, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg, I think fans think, but it's really Jason Garrett knows right now this receiving core can't get that separation. So he's not going to try to force things just so the fan base can say, well, we opened it up and we tried. That, that's not the way it works in the NFL. You use your strengths to build a game plan against what the weaknesses are of your opponent. But if you don't have it, you're not going to force it. And, and to be fair, I mean, I, I'm not liking what I've seen from this offense, but I am liking it a little bit more and more each week because it is changing each week. Last week we saw like a, a couple of drives, I and mean, we can we can argue about this all we want, but a couple of drives where it was almost in exclusively running plays and just three downs running first down, three downs running first down. And, you know, old school football, new school football doesn't matter. I mean, running the ball seems to be working. I don't subscribe to the idea of we have to be doing a certain thing. If a play is working, keep running that play until they prove they can stop it. And ultimately that drive ended in the interception. Was it an interception? Was it not landing inbounds, out of bounds kind of thing uh, on a throwaway by Jones? But if that drive ended in seven, that's a huge drive right there. It took up a ton of time off the clock. We methodically moved down the field running the ball. You end that with seven points and you bury another team if you can continually do that. So, you know, whatever. Jason Garrett's offense seems to be slightly different each week. You know, it's hard for me to be overly critical because he's not continuing to push a certain thing that is clearly not working. Play calling to me is clearly third on the, I don't even want to call it concern list, but on the the level of, of interest for me behind the talent level of the offense and Daniel Jones mastery of that offense. I mean, I, I think that those things are bigger factors in how the offense is what it is, as opposed to, well, Garrett's has a bad scheme and bad play calling. There's nothing, nothing's I, I don't watch these games and bang my head against the, the door saying, Oh, why aren't we going deep? Or, Oh, why aren't we running? Or, or why are we, you know, the, the coaching decisions, like the play calling decisions and the, like going for it on fourth down, those type of things. There's been nothing so far really that's really stood out to like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? I mean, we felt that right away with Pat Shermer. I remember there was a, I think that Monday night game in Atlanta early on, and we were just like, is this the kind of coach we're going to have and make these kind of dumb decisions? But I don't feel that way at all with our coaching. To me, it's just, you know, we still have a young quarterback who's still trying to figure it out and figure this offense out and is trying to get his legs in the league. And we still have, you know, an offensive line and a receiving core that is, you know, not as talented as what it need, ultimately needs to be. So those are your bigger factors. And a huge factor in this game is going to be the other side of the injury report, and that is namely 
Philadelphia. But before I get to that, big the bigger thing here is uh, Tay Crowder, who had moved his way into the starting spot next to Blake Martinez, had a key play, was a star in the game for uh, uh, for me, for us, uh, with his fumble recovery for a touchdown that really was the turning point in the game last week, is on IR for at least three weeks with a strained hamstring, which I believe he suffered actually trying to return that and outrun um, yes. the fucking who the hell did we fucking play Washington uh, the, the Washington <laughs> offense um, so that's that's really big and it's going to be interesting to see what we do in terms of the starting linebacker there's a lot of speculation that we might just have you know more three safety looks or something like that just because of the nature of the offense that Philadelphia runs but we'll get to all that in a second Philadelphia is in dire straits as far as injuries go and you know I follow a bunch of uh, Philadelphia I guess podcasters and, and, and beat writers, guys who are smart and I, I respect, and they are for weeks now have been complaining about like how badly injured they are. I mean it starts right at the top there. Their big draft pick, Jalen Rager, has been out uh he's on IR with a a tear in his thumb or something like that. Dallas Goddard is out. Now Zach Ertz is out. Um Miles Sanders is also out. Malik Jackson is out and uh, their their backup guard prior is out. He's in the COVID protocol right now. Alshon Jeffrey is out with a foot injury. Uh, thankfully for them, they have Lane Johnson will be in this week, and so will Deshaun Jackson and Duke Riley, um, as well as uh, Avante Maddox. Deshaun Jackson could have one leg and still beat us somehow, so yeah. don't be surprised. Yeah, and, and this has been Deshaun Jackson's like MO his whole career. You know, he's always had hamstring issues and things like that. He's I don't know of the last time that Jackson was healthy for 16 games, and it never seems to matter. The team's always signed this dude. He doesn't even have really a great stat line in his career. Um, just just a fast guy. But, uh, you know, regardless, these are, these are guys that we're going to have to watch out for. Um, other guys like Jack Driscoll, uh, you know, questionable – uh, Wallace, Epps, these guys are all questionable. But they have a lengthy injury report. And to add on top of that, so you know, we're looking at a depth chart here for for Philadelphia on the offensive line where uh, you have Andre Dillard and Jason Peters both starting tackles on IR to start the year. So now uh, you have Jordan Mailata playing left tackle. Don't really know who that is. He's played okay. Somebody named named Nate Herbig is playing left guard. Okay, he's been playing not that great. Jason Kelsey is still an All Pro center. Um, Lane Johnson obviously is a very good right tackle, but is playing injured. He's been in and out all year with ankle injuries. You know they had signed Jamon Brown, former Giant at one point, to play right guard. He played pitifully pitifully last week and has been cut as of today was released. So now we're looking at with Pryor and Brandon Brooks out at guard uh, and, and Jason Peters who we think was re-signed at the beginning of the year to play guard we are now looking at Nate Herbig at guard and Sua Opeta at guard I mean that is not an offensive line that I would be happy about I mean granted don't don't take any of this as uh, Giants should win this but this is definitely something working in the Giants' favor. They, they have a very good defensive line. They need to continue being good, especially this week. That's a collection of Scrabble tiles more than they are names of NFL yeah. offensive linemen. It really yeah. is, yeah. I, I think, honestly, if you shook the bag and just dumped out... Do kids know what Scrabble is anymore? 
Is that a real game for kids? I don't know, whatever. Kids, ask your parents. <laughs> um, but you're right. It is a collection of Scrabble tiles instead of names. These are not NFL names that we've ever heard of. I, I don't believe that the career stat list is very high for Herbig. I believe this is Opeta's first game. Um, so, nevertheless, that needs to be something that needs to be focused on. Um, but... I will say, and as much as we all like to clown on Carson Wentz, uh, how poorly he has played this year particularly, um, he's been running for his life back there. I mean, honestly, I, we can look at his stat line and laugh. We can look at some of the low-light film of him and laugh. But if you – I mean, he is doing some miraculous things in the pocket just to stay alive. Uh, he has also yeah. elevated – the names of receivers like Hightower, Ward, Fulgham. Have you ever heard of these people? Well, they're all playing pretty Fulgham had a well. career game last week. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. These guys are all playing really well, and it's all due to Carson. It's all due to Carson Wentz escaping the pocket. Almost every single big play has been him extended. Because the Eagles, despite all of these injuries on their offensive line, dating back to before the season even started, they have not changed their offensive scheme in any way to accommodate that. I mean, they're still doing seven-step drops with Carson Wentz, long developing plays, whether it even be a run or a pass. These long developing things that rely on offensive linemen getting their execution done for a sustained amount of time, they don't give a shit, man. They're making Carson Wentz have to make it work. And, you know, good or bad, you know, he, he's he's mixing in good with the bad, I guess I should say. Uh, you know, he, he's get, he's taking some really deep sacks. I've, I've seen him take sacks that were like 10-plus yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he's also throwing 30-yard bombs on some of these plays because he's keeping the play alive. He's just a hard man to tackle. So even if the Giants dominate the line of scrimmage, it's going to take more than just winning against the offensive line. They need to finish the tackle. It's not that easy with this guy. Yeah, this is might be a, a, definitely is a hot take, but... You know, the MVP award is always given to, you know, a narrative and it's always based upon, well, who's who's the quarterback on the best team most of the time? Who has the gaudy numbers, the one that, you know, it's always on TV, the one that the talking heads are talking about. Like right now, as we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, I have ESPN on and they're doing their MVP odds. I mean, it's still too way too early in the season to be doing that. But my my hot take is if the if the Eagles win the NFC East, and it's the, you know, again, one of the worst divisions in NFL history. Who's really more valuable to their team than Carson Wentz is going to be with all of the injuries and all the all the problems? I mean, he's never going to win it, but that to me says you're valuable. Because if you look at the, you know, the injury reports to all four NF- NFC East teams, they're the worst. And, you know, all these things are going on with them, so... You know, it's not saying it's the best player, it's the most valuable. And it's a regular season award. And winning your division kind of counts equally among the eight divisions in football. And you know, you could make a case he's the most valuable player in the league for that. Yeah, I mean, despite, you know, his high turnover rate this year. I mean, it really if you if you really watch a full Eagles game and see what he's trying to deal with. They have no running game to speak of because their whole offensive line is out. I mean, don't even look at Miles Sanders' stat line because he's he's like a one-break player. I mean, he'll he'll literally – I mean, you guys are Giants fans. You should have seen this with Saquon Barkley. You know, 
it's a little different because Barkley will would literally shake and juke from two yards behind the line of scrimmage and take it the distance. Sanders will run into a wall and then all of a sudden they finally open a hole. And, you know, defense has been selling out for the pass. He'll just break 174 yards. I will say their wide receivers, uh, despite their no-nameness, are very good blockers downfield. Uh, very good block blockers downfield. I saw it in multiple games for the Eagles. Um, the, the key here will be not only to win at the line of scrimmage, but to stay in your in your pass rush lanes. Prevent Carson Wentz from escaping and finish the tackles. They need to stay in the tight coverage that they have initially. The Giants have been very good at, at keeping windows tight in the passing game. But, you know, like I said, what Wentz is very good at extending plays and allowing the game to devolve into street ball, where it's just kind of find an opening and get there and I'll throw it to you. Um, they need to prevent that from happening on the back end. It's not going to be easy. Uh, and on top of all that, they need to continue to shut down the run game. They can't allow the likes of somebody named Boston Scott to have a 100-yard rushing game. That can't happen in this game. Boston Scott sounds like a, a caller to sports radio as opposed to a running back. But I think it's, you know, in addition to, you know, the, the, the pass rush and everything, I think the secondary has to play an important role in this today too because, you know, if Carson Wentz is going to buy time and run around and scramble and buy himself time to throw, we can't break down in coverage downfield. They have to stay on their guys. And, you know, if, if we're playing, you know, safeties have to stay where they're supposed to be. Cornerbacks can't, you know, just run out of gas. So it's, it's going to be just as important back there for those guys to do that as well as, you know, you know having a discipline, your gap discipline up front. Because the last thing we want to see are just busted plays downfield because, you know, somebody was covered for four seconds and then that seventh second, <clears throat> he was 10 yards behind his man. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, you know, the Giants played pretty well from an offensive line standpoint last week against Washington, even though Washington does have a very good front seven, specifically that, that, that deep uh, rotation of defensive linemen. I would say in terms of danger, I would say the Eagles' defensive line is a little bit more dangerous than Washington. Washington has a lot of very young talent up there. The Eagles' defensive line has a lot of experience mixed in. Um, you know, Brandon Graham still at this point in his career is a very good pass rusher. Fletcher Cox is, you know, he, he's pro bowl. Uh, you know, Malik Jackson, even though he's out, he's being probably replaced by Hassan Ridgeway, who's played very well. Javon Hargrave, who I liked very much coming out in the draft, very quick off the ball, uh, which is something that we've struggled with is quick interior guys. Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat are both very good on the other end. This is going to be tough, and they need to continue the good work that they did last week. It's not going to be as easy, I don't think. Um, and not that I think last week was easy for them. I just think that Washington is a little bit out of sorts. Uh, they haven't played very well. They're adjusting to a new defense. This team is not. This is still Jim Schwartz's defense. You know, these, with the exception of Hargrave, these guys are all returning uh, to a defense they played in last week. But let's, let's not get crazy, though. But let's not get crazy. I mean, they're not the eighty-five Bears. I mean, it's a, it's just, it's a solid one. But you know, it's, I wouldn't go into this game fearful of an all-out, you know, for Daniel Jones's life. I mean, I'm just going to say that you know, even, even Lamar Jackson was having some trouble back there. You know, they really do get after the quarterback well. 
That said, that really is just the front four. I mean, their their linebackers are pretty good in pursuit. They play the run very well. They're not that great covering the middle of the field. Um, and their their secondary is garbage. Uh, I mean, it really is. You know, Darius Slay obviously is the Pro Bowl guy they have back there. But that's really it. I mean, Jalen Mills is not good. LeBlanc is not good. Rodney McLeod, Avante Maddox, Nikel Roby Coleman. These guys are not very good. They're They're okay. They are serviceable talent that should be backing up all of them. Uh, so, you know, they can get, they can get away with it because of how good the front four is. You know, if you have a, <clears throat> if you have a front four that can't provide any pressure, they would be much more exposed for the talent they really are, but they have, you know, there is constant pressure. I would, I would say normally that's true, but I mean, they've given up over 30 points, I think in every single game they played this week, uh, this, this year. Um, so I, I think they're kind of falling off a little bit. They could use some help back there to whatever. But, I mean, remember, in all these games, the Eagles really haven't been absolutely blown out until they played last week against the Ravens, which, again, I, I think the Ravens are an AFC championship team yes. anyway. So it, it's not really much to brag about. If the Giants want to win this game against Eagles, um, they're going to have to... Um, Look at some unorthodox things. One thing I noticed that Pittsburgh did to great success against this defensive line to slow them down was hard count them. I mean, multiple times in that game, Roethlisberger hard counted the shit out of them. And free five yards, more often than not. And, you know, there's the the unseen thing is how much slower that makes them off the ball to ensure that the ball is actually being snapped. You know, this is something that I think that the Giants should be working on. We'll see if it is done. It's a really simple thing to do. Just reinforce throughout this week. I mean, there's not so much, there's not a whole lot you can do in a short week. But working on a hard count is something you could work on. Sure, it might be something that they haven't bothered with all year because of the empty stadiums, whatever. But like I said, it worked. But again, also doesn't take it doesn't take six weeks to implement either. Um, I I still think the best advantage is going to be hitting the middle of the field with Ingram if they can push him beyond the linebackers. We haven't really seen a whole lot of that. I've complained about it at length. I'm not going to continue complaining about it. When I watch this from an analytic standpoint, that seems to be the weakest spot to attack the Eagles. They don't have a group of great coverage linebackers. Their guys on the edge have their hands full just covering, you know, the outside. Um, the middle of the field seems wide open for the picking, uh, how the Giants choose to attack that is going to be up to them. To me, Ingram is the, is the one that I would send there, unless you think he's going to accumulate too much attention there. Then, you know, move him outside or something. Do something to open up that middle of the field, because that is where they are weakest. Well, that's fine. I mean, if he's going to attract all that attention, that should free up other places and other, you know, some of the wide receivers, too. So, it's again, it's... Uh, <laughs> This is not a very good secondary, and you know if, he's, if our best weapon in the in the you know in the seam is uh, covered and double covered or something, that somebody yeah. should be available. I, I, I still think something. deep shots over the top are going to be a killer for the Eagles. It, it's something that where they could absolutely be had, but given the D line that Philadelphia has and the O line that we have, if we're going to do that, they have to be very well schemed and very well timed. I mean, it's not something we can just keep going back to pass uh, on a seven yard drop and, and just a seven step drop and just launch every drive you know? and, and, and times like, right. Exactly. Like yeah, smart times in the game, you know, keeping this, keeping this defense off kilter. Um, You're right. But I do think that there is a chance here. I mean, given, given the injuries the Eagles have the short week fucks with everybody. Um, and the 
the big thing will be if Sterling Shepard can play because that is a huge plus for the Giants if he can play. Um, but let's jump it over to prediction time for you. Um, when we first recapped this game way back in August, July, something like that, you had this as a loss in pen. So where do you feel now? I am feeling very giddy lately, Grump. <clears throat> All my teams are doing really well. Maybe I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid for things, but I am going to say the Giants are going to win this thing in pencil. I, yeah, I, I just feel that, uh, you know, this is one of those moments for Joe Judge where he can really make a statement on this team. And let's see, you know, has this had the, the quick turnaround? I think that win over Washington was important, getting a win. Uh, you know, it, it was ugly. People complained about it. But guess what? It's a win. And that means you come into the, you know, the training facility on Monday morning. You feel differently than you have before. Um, I think, you know, for the reasons I said in the beginning of the show where, you know, play for now and you have a chance to, you know, be in first place after this game. I think that means something. That's a motivation that this team might not have had at any point in this year, quite honestly. I mean, you know. We played week one. We're just all ha- happy that there was going to be football. We didn't believe it until we saw it. All of a sudden, you're 0-3 and 0-4. And you know, any realistic hopes of anything are kind of down the drain. It becomes playing for your job and playing for some sort of, you know, it's way out there when this team is actually going to be ready to compete. But all of a sudden, now we're competing. And now, you know, we are in a position that we can be in first place and can control our own destiny. You know, again, not looking forward too far down the, the, the pipe or anything, but uh, Philly came back in the game last week against Baltimore, but that was all garbage time. And yeah, I mean, they scored what 22 points in the fourth quarter, but it, that game was, that game was over. Um, I've never been a fan of their coach Peterson. I don't, I don't think he's a, you know, this is a, this is a tough division for coaches right now. I mean, uh, Joe judge might be the best coach in the NFC East right now. And, and, and that's, yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy's catching all heat down here. Uh, Peterson, I, again, I don't really like it all. And uh, Riverboat Ron certainly didn't impress me on Sunday. He what, what, his way out of first place. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I give the coaching advantage from, again, what little we've seen from the Giants to them. Uh, I don't think the, the crowd is any factor at all. Uh, both teams have to do with the short week. I think this is, uh, this is a week where I think the Giants are going to surprise a lot of people and win this game. I, 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 I'm going to look into my crystal ball and say that uh, Daniel Jones has no turnovers for the first time in God knows when. And I think we win a higher scoring game than people think. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 28-24. Bold from uh, I, I bold. the World Series fever is creeping into <laughs> Giants world for a cranky fan. I'm not feeling so, myself so cranky right now. No, um, well, wait till the second inning tonight. That'll change. <laughs> I had this game as a win in pencil way back in August, um, and I, I said that it would be close, and I, I, I said that we would win in a shocker, uh, taking the lead early. You know, just kind of shocking everyone, and then nearly giving it up at the end. I'm not feeling as generous. I generous. I I think that uh, 
actually this one is very back and forth and I think we end up losing this one in a heartbreaker 24 to 23. I think that with a 23-17 lead, we're unable to punch it in for seven at the end. We have to settle for a field goal and Philly marches down the field, score a touchdown, kick the extra point for the win. And uh, we're all very sad and Giants Twitter flips from being on top of the world to trying to fire the entire universe again. Um, (laughs) That being said, I don't think that we play badly. I think it's just one of those things where we're not very good. We're playing a team that may be injured but also has had steady coaching. Even Even if we don't like the head coach, they've had the same systems in place. It was more familiar. This was an easier thing to deal with with COVID and, and whatnot this offseason for them. They could just jump right back into what they were already doing. Yeah, we said that we said that in the offseason. Like they're the only coaching staff that had continuality from last year. Yeah. And and to be frank, you know, they haven't had problems scoring points despite almost all of their injuries happening on the offensive side of the ball. So uh you know I, I think this one's gonna be a real bummer. I think we're all gonna be very pissed Friday morning. Just because of the nature of the loss, that's how I see it happening. Uh, let's do you that think? I'm wrong. Yeah, I like when you're wrong. It's usually good. Yeah. Uh, do you see if the Giants win this game that it's viewed as a major upset, or is this, is this division so bad now that everybody's numb to everybody losing, and it's just you know? I think it's both. I think you'll get both. I think you'll get the the media going, "Oh, the Giants going from zero and five to first place." or whatever, and then you'll get the immediate reaction from everyone within the division that isn't a Giants fan complaining about how bad the division is, and then from outside the division complaining about how bad the division is. Um, Nevertheless, you know, ignore the noise. You know, ignore the win-loss record for that matter. I know, be happy about where we are in the standings and, and what the nature of the situation is, but if we won, something must have went right. Just focus on that and then look at what went wrong and how it needs to be fixed. The, You're the allowed to make is, yeah. yeah. The bottom line is we're winning. Something must be doing. Something must be going right. And it's not like in 2016 where you know we had low expectations or, or higher expectations. You know we have a new head coach and the, this offense is winning games and all this other shit. You know we get, we have a real shot at the Super Bowl. We don't really have much of a shot at the Super Bowl right now. We should be thankful that some things are finally working after years of being in the cellar. We have something to build around, something to build upon. Um, so yeah, you have to make lemonade out of lemons and this is the position we're in and this is the position this division's in. And, you know, if having meaningful games isn't important to you, if beating one of your big rivals isn't important to you, if having bragging rights over those teams you hate isn't important to you, then, you know, just be a miserable prick and don't watch. I, that, I could care less, but this is kind of why you're a fan. It's for, you know, Having a primetime game against one of your bitter rivals and coming off a win so you're feeling good about yourself, don't worry about the Super Bowl. And don't worry about, well, well, if we face Aaron Rodgers in the second round, that, that's not our concern right now. It's At the same time, this is an added wrinkle in helping with the rebuild is playing for something. So go into this game, you know, give the finger to your Eagle fans that you know, and let's come out with a win. Yeah, exactly. Whipping around the league really quickly, we have one other division game to watch, and that is Dallas at Washington. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I think there's a test pattern on Channel 1. We can watch this more exciting than this. Uh, 
Dallas is an absolute mess, and you know Washington is an absolute mess too. Um, battle of, of you know bad backup quarterbacks. Uh, where is this game? This game in Washington? Yeah. Uh, I'll say I'll say Dallas in the lightest of pencils. Although you know nothing would surprise me in, in this one. I'm going to say Washington wins this one. Dallas already has a lot of problems on the offensive line. They're not playing well. The bad press is coming out. And on top of that, backup tackle Brandon Knight, who's not very good, is undergoing surgery. Um, And Zach Martin is in concussion protocol. His status is up in the air as well for Sunday. I don't know where the bragging rights are on that offensive line anymore. And he's they're all protecting a backup caliber uh, quarterback. So I, you know, now I really don't know. And like I said, the one thing I can brag about with Washington is their defensive line. And uh, I don't know how Dallas wins that game, to be honest. I feel like it's a zig when everyone's zagging a little bit for me. That's, you know, <laughs> really, it's, it, when you're talking about dregs of the NFL, and it's safe to say that all four of these teams are among the dregs of the NFL, anything can happen. And I just... It just seems too obvious for me that Dallas is going down with the ship right now. I, I think they'll find a way somehow to win. Although, again, not exactly must-see TV. No, not at all. That's going to do it for us. So enjoy the game tonight. I know this is all coming into your uh, your cues first thing Thursday morning. So, you know, try – just try to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it, Go crack it's open it's a hard beer. to it's enjoy a- an Eagles game, but uh, just try. It's a Thursday night. There's no World Series. You have nothing to do on a Thursday night. Crack open a beer or two or six. Sit on your couch. Scream at the TV for three hours. But uh, be thankful you have relevant football. Yeah. Um, And as always, I will be watching the game and on Twitter at football underscore grump for all my in-between musings and tantrums. I'm always at the cranky fan. I'll be... Complaining about the Giants, you know about my emotional meltdowns every night with the World Series. That's obvious. We have another Gator bye week due to COVID. I don't know if we're ever playing again. So a lot to talk about. That's the cranky fan. And as always, this podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Uh, So be sure to like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, you know, leave a really nice comment. You know the routine. Yeah. And, uh, follow on Twitter as well, at Just Giants Pod. All right, everyone. We will see you. Uh, I don't know when the next episode is going to be. <laughs> when I, will I, we I think see it's you? It's probably going to be Monday morning. We'll take a real long look at this game after it's over and where we are as a team. Yeah. Like real we all have to figure out our uh, review. Not not so quite a uh, off the off the off the cuff kind of. Well, I think this happened kind of thing. I'll really be able to, I'll yeah, be able to look this one over. And again, because we have uh, our next game is the following Monday night. We have an extra long break in between the two games. So we'll, uh, how about this? We'll just surprise you. You just look <laughs> in your feed one day and you'll see our ugly yeah, mugs yeah. and you'll know, oh, time to listen to those yeah, if, two. If you're subbed, then uh, it doesn't even matter. Just it'll, it'll alert you. You'll know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone. Let's go Giants. Go Giants.